Hi there, I'm Jim. And I'm Claire. Let's talk teaching. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching, a podcast from the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology here at Illinois State University. I'm Jim G. Joining me as usual, Dr. Claire LaMonica, our director here at CTLT. Hi, Claire. Hi, Jim. So we are continuing our discussion today that we started last time about syllabi, syllabuses, the syllabus. Syllabi. And uh, we were talking a lot about uh, about the philosophy of the syllabus, how to make it a, uh, a more welcoming document, something that students can relate to. But of course, the syllabus also has certain parts. It's a very particular animal, and there are some must-have parts of a syllabus that we wanted to talk about today, and and maybe talk a little bit about why are they in there, uh, and what function do they do they perform that kind of meets that overall goal that we were talking about last time of getting students to relate to the syllabus. So, what has to be in my syllabus? Okay, well, the university has provided some guidance for faculty uh, along these lines. And mm-hmm. we this is information that we actually give out at new faculty orientation each year because mm-hmm. um, we want people to know what the basic expectations are. So let me read you a little bit. This is from um, the faculty responsibility sections of the um, uh, the faculty I think it's in the faculty handbook. It's it's on the policy page. Yes, part of the university policy. policy All those um, number dot number dot number pages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and this is what the policy site has to say about syllabi. Faculty should provide students access to a written syllabus, printed or electronic, in a timely fashion, normally the first day of class, for each course that they teach. The syllabus should include specific course information office hours and location or other means of uh, oops or other means of uh-huh. faculty availability appropriate to the teaching assignment so in other words if you're teaching an online course your right. your office hours might be something different right um, it should also include objectives of the course a tentative assignment and examination schedule mm-hmm. attendance and other course policies faculty members should clearly explain to their students Methods of evaluation for the final grade. Faculty should reasonably adhere to the course syllabus and should announce and explain to the class all changes to the syllabus as far in advance as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that outlines some things right. that, that you need to do in your syllabus. Um, the university curriculum committee uh, has suggested Mm-hmm. Um, a sort of a template or an organizational structure for the syllabus. Okay. Um, and it says that um, uh, th- this format is consonant with the Illinois Articulation Initiative submission format and mm-hmm. Illinois state policy. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's sort of not of much interest to anybody, but that's <laughs> that's where it came from. So, but but so, I mean, no one's going to get thrown in jail if they deviate a little bit. Oh from no, that, no, no, from no, that no, template, no, right? no, yeah. no, 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 no. And we no, and we will link to the we can uh, on our show page for this episode. We can link to uh, a lot of this great stuff, so oh, that would be people great. can find it easily. Okay, so um, the, the sort of template that is provided by the university curriculum committee suggests that the syllabus should include uh, the department's or school prefix, the course number, the course title, 
and the number of semester credit hours. Yeah. And I mean, that's all, that's all pretty in, uh, common stuff, right? Right. And yes. that's not, yeah. Contact hours, including yeah. any laboratory, laboratory or studio hours. So what yeah. time, what time is the course meeting? Yeah. Office hours and location. Um, any prerequisites and notations about any materials fees. Mm-hmm. Um, it also suggests that you include the catalog description, which I used to think was kind of, you know, really? But actually now I'm, I'm sort of down with that. I like that. Why, because, why, did, why did you change your mind on that? Well, um, I think as I sort of evolved and saw the bigger picture you right. know, about and started thinking about how students experience uh, their, their university uh-huh. as um, – a lot of uh, kind of disjointed mm-hmm. classroom experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that including the catalog description, at least it reminds them of what they saw when, when they signed up for the course. And it, and it creates, it creates uh, at least the beginnings of a shared vision for the course. Yes. You know, sort e- of very basic. E- even if sometimes we must admit Although a lot of effort goes into them, I'm sure the catalog description is not the most scintillating reading in the world. <laughs> well, you have to describe the course in, I think it's 25 words or less. Something, or something like, like that, that, right. It's, I right. mean, it's really, yeah. So they're yeah. they're usually, um, they're often sentence fragments. They tend right. to be more, you know, descriptor, descriptors than anything else. Right. But right. um but I or or maybe prescriptive than anything else. Mm-hmm. But um but I think it's I, you know, but don't only have that. Right. So the next thing that the um, university curriculum committee recommends is that you have a course or overview, mm-hmm. which is um, a paragraph or so description of the course. And this is where you can really elaborate to the students about what that course catalog means. And it's also the place that you can talk about the why mm-hmm. that we were talking about before. So right. this is, you know, this is the, this overview piece is a great place to get students excited about the possibilities of this course. This mm-hmm. is the invitation to the feast. I mean, okay. this this is sort of the um, the the key element of that. Right. It, it's not all of it, but it's, right. it's really key. The University Curriculum Committee says that you should also list specific student outcomes as a result of course participation. So these are what we call learning objectives or mm-hmm. learning goals or learning outcomes. Um, you know, different people use different words. And if you're in the College of Ed, you have really specific, you know, specific meanings for all those words. Right, right. Um, and the rest of us sort of use them interchangeably. But mm-hmm. um, but this is where you're going to tell students basically um, what they will know or be able to do as a result of their participation in the course. Mm-hmm. So that that's – and, and um, the – the parenthetical after that is including general education outcomes when appropriate. As someone who in her not so distant past co-chaired the uh, proposed task force on general education, I would like to say, if you are teaching a general education course, please, please, please indicate on the syllabus that it's a general education course Mm -hmm. and indicate on the syllabus the gen ed outcomes that are mapped onto that course. And if you don't know that information, it's available on the gen ed uh, website, website. which is gened.illinoisstate.edu. There you go. So Um, thank you for that. I didn't, I did, I couldn't have done that myself. That's what I'm here for. It's impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and let me me just add to that. I actually taught a gen ed course for the first time in a while Last fall, that the Com Two uh, Com One Ten course that I mm-hmm. teach, um, I and many many other people because there are like eighty sections of it a, a semester now, and I did that 
And yeah. I put I put in those outcomes, and I found Thank that they you. mapped. Well, you're welcome. And um, uh, and I found that they they not only are they mapped to general ed, but uh, gen ed, but they also, I mean, they meshed so well with with what I was planning to do anyway with the right. course. So I mean, it, right. it, it it's not like it's some um, you're putting this well, you're you're putting like fine print in someplace. It can really be part of the body of the document and right. explain to students what they're what they're going to get out of this. And and that wasn't happenstance. The people who designed right, that, you right. know, the people who who um coordinate that program right. and who designed the outcomes for that course um, mm-hmm. were well aware of the gen out- right. outcomes and actually participated some of them in yeah. in framing them. I think it was the Council for General Education a couple of years before the task force did a syllabus audit Mm -hmm. where they looked at syllabi for gen ed courses being taught all over campus. And uh, what they discovered was that many of those syllabi didn't even include the words general education anywhere. And general education is supposed to be um, a somewhat coherent, a foundational experience. Right, right. Uh, you know, yeah. my I, I would, if it were up to me, I would call it foundational education because it's really there to provide a foundation for uh, the rest of your education and, and actually for the rest of your life. You should also, that you know, this should all sort of be followed by or should include um, a topical outline, attentive schedule. I actually... I like to put my course schedule in a separate document. And, and I do too. And I'm yeah. so glad to hear you say that because I always – now, when I put it together, it's it's actually fairly detailed. I have a grid yeah. and and days and dates and when assignments are going to be – not only when they're due, but when they're going to be assigned because I find that I teach better when I yeah. hold myself to the same deadlines <laughs> that I expect my students to be held to. Um, and, you know, with the ca- caveat that, you know, subject to change with notice. Right. Um. So it's okay to have that sort of, and I call it a plan of study. So it's okay to have that study plan yeah, appended I, to I it. Yeah, I call it the course schedule. Yeah, and and I, if I in the days that I was handing out a physical syllabus, yeah, I it was the final couple of pages of the syllabus. Um, it was at the right, end. Right. Um, now that you know, I, I make materials available electronically. It's a separate document, but sure. it's you know they're labeled syllabus and course schedule. Right. And the students get that. They they know that. And and how granular? How 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 Deep down, do you have to drill? Like, do you have to talk about learning outcomes no. for each day? No, on that? no, you don't need to. You okay. don't need to do that. I, I, um, some people probably do. I, mm-hmm. I some people do do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you should have learning outcomes for each day. <laughs> right? Yes, <laughs> this is true. As an this instructor, you this should always go into each class session knowing what it is that you hope to accomplish that yeah. day, yeah. or what it is that you hope that your students will accomplish that day. But, um. I don't think you have to include that mm-hmm. um, in the in the course schedule. That would make it a fairly lengthy and possibly intimidating document. Um, mine usually has like three columns, you know, a date, and then it says um, work to compl- work to complete before class, mm-hmm. and then um, mm-hmm. work that will be completed during class or mm-hmm. something like that. So, um, or you know, before class, in class, whatever. Gotcha. Um, you're also supposed to identify required and optional texts mm-hmm. in your syllabus, which mm-hmm. is always a good idea, and provide at least uh, a list of major assignments. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, major papers, projects, experiences, things that are going to be going on during the course. Um, and the next thing is to tell students how they're going to be evaluated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how is their grade going to be arrived at, including a grading scale if you're using points. And then um, policies, course policies, any mm-hmm. course policies that you have. Mm-hmm. 
if it, if it happens to be a 300 level course, then it, so that you can take it for either graduate or undergraduate credit, then you need to have some um, some discussion of additional requirements for the graduate students if there are any. Right. And this is really important because this is a this is a legal thing. Every syllabus needs to include a statement about accommodations, the accommodation statement. Right. And this this is just um, the uh, this statement comes from what used to be known as the um, Office of Disability Services right. and is now known as the Office for Student Access and Accommodation Services. And all it says is any student needing to arrange a reasonable accommodation for a documented disability should contact Student Access and Accommodation Services at 350 Fell Hall, mm-hmm. 309-438-5853, or visit the website. And there's a link to there's the website. There's a link to the website. So we can put this statement out there. But it's really important to have this. And it's and it's important um, not to deviate too much from this, or if any, from this right. language. Right. Because... Um, uh, the, there are words there that have uh, legal implications. So mm-hmm. reasonable incom- accommodation right. is one. Right. Um, students, each student um, who has um, a documented disability, which is another one, you know, they, right. you, can, right. we, you can't just have a student come to you and say, hi, um, yeah. I need extra time to it, take it, my test. And this is the first, th- this phrase is key, uh, the, the, that statement is key because it's the first step in a very important process and one that as an instructor, I'm very glad that there's a, there's an entire department on campus that just handles it. I'm serious because, um, you know, I've worked at other institutions where the starting the process was not as easy. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly they did a great job taking care of students who had, who had those needs to, to make accommodations, but starting that process, being notified that you had a student in your class that, that had this issue, um, or had an issue, uh, was not easy. And so it, it, it is, there, there is a very regimented process that students go through to demonstrate their need and then to get that help. And then they get, are given a, a card or now I think, um, with the name change this, this past week, they actually just changed the name to, to student access, Monday. to student access and accommodation services. Yeah. Monday. Um, it's going to be electronic, but they will have the, then they will have documentation they provide you. So it's a very, it's a very specific process. So it's important that we get the first step right by putting right. it in our syllabus the right way. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's really all you have to have. Yeah. And, and I think the key is, um, not what you say, but how you say it. Well, and, and I wanted to talk about yeah. that in our last couple of minutes here. I have gone to great pains, and I don't think I've been entirely successful yet, but I've gone to, to great pains not to make the syllabus sound like a legal contract, which I used to write contracts in a former career, uh, or to make it sound like um, a list of commandments. And and uh, so what would you suggest that, that people do to, to, to kind of uh, mitigate that effect? Well... It's really important to mitigate that effect, especially when we're talking about our um, our course policies, because there's actual. This is really interesting. There's actual. There's research that says that if students perceive the course policies as being uh, sort of, um, well, you introduced me to the term communication aggression or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, but if they if they perceive them as being draconian mm-hmm. or arbitrary mm-hmm. um, or um, uh, 
mean sounding for, yeah, for lack of a better dis- word discouraging yeah, is the word dis- i often see in research yeah. especially involving like mobile technology and stuff yeah. encouraging policies discouraging policies maybe more laissez-faire policies yeah. yeah yeah and and if if students perceive the policies in that way they react by pushing back right and so you you're setting up a sort of um uh antagonistic relationship with your students mm-hmm. from the get-go mm-hmm. even though you may not mean that you may be right. thinking oh well this is just what everybody says and how everybody says it mm-hmm. um i personally and a lot of a lot of really good teachers that i know um include in their policies a rationale for the policy right um so it doesn't seem just arbitrary or draconian it's mm-hmm. like you know this is what you know when i'm teaching a writing course um, it's really important that students come to class prepared mm-hmm. with some writing um, because we are going to do things with that writing in class. We're going to um, – we might share it in a workshop situation. We might share it with a partner to get revision. We're, we're always going to be doing something. And if you don't have it done, then you're kind of sitting on the sidelines while everybody else is moving ahead. Um and so I try to explain that in my policy about late, you know, I, I, my policy about, you know, timely work, the timely mm-hmm. submission of work, late work. Um, so I think that's, I think that's a good idea. There are a lot of sort of pre-crafted policies that you can pick up various places on the web. And, and I have a document that pulls a lot of them together that we mm-hmm. can link to this podcast. Okay. But there's, um, there's a syllabus statement, um, on, uh, mental health resources. Which actually is very um, student, very student friendly language. Mm-hmm. It starts out, you know, life at college can get very complicated. Right, right. Um, so that's, you know, that's a great, <clears throat> that's a great policy. Um, and there's a separate one for uh, graduate students, sort of making it clear that mm-hmm. um, that um, counseling services are there for them as well. Um, there's a policy on. Um, on, on absences due to bereavement, bereavement, bereavement. And that actually changed, I think, last academic year or maybe the spring before that about uh, uh, how far they have to travel. And it, it, it kind of clarifies mm-hmm. that process. So that was something I remember um, also adding to my syllabus last year. And it's a, yeah. uh, and, and, and again, I, I like it because I, I don't mind being told what these policies are or having to adhere to these policies as an instructor, because ultimately they make the learning easier and they take, you know, they, they're, they help students. Same thing about success week that we, which is when we're planning uh, our teaching for a semester. Now here at Illinois State, we have success week, which is the week before final exam week, where uh, we're not supposed to, you know, pop a last minute major test or exam or have a major assignment due that wasn't talked about at the beginning right. of the semester. And I actually put a little blurb about success week in my syllabus. Great idea. So, so uh, we're running out of time. So final thoughts about, about um, the nuts and bolts of a syllabus and how that relates to uh, having a welcoming syllabus for students, something that's, that's, that's relatable. I, I think the main thing I would say is that we have, there are, there are all of these statements from different places, absence due to bereavement, um, statement for classroom behavior, statement for academic integrity, attendance policies, um, all kinds of things, not all of which are written in student-friendly language. Uh What I would suggest Mm -hmm. is that you have in your syllabus um, a 
a personal statement, perhaps a rationale, with a link to the sort of official language statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, the absence to, to bereavement policy, and this one may be out of date now, um, students are eligible for up to five consecutive days, not including weekends or holidays. You know what? If my mom just died, mm-hmm. I don't want to read that. Right, right. I mean, I want to yeah. know that my professor gets it. Mm-hmm. And so I might say something in my, you know, in my syllabus, um, you know, should you have a family, mm-hmm. you know, should you have a death in your family, mm-hmm. the university allows you to be absent without penalty for mm-hmm. a certain amount of time. The, the policy, the exact policy is available here right. and just have a link to the, to the policy. And, and again, I think in that particular case, like uh, the accessibility or the accommodation statement, uh, I think that's a particular process now because the dean of students' office gets right. involved with right. that. There's a whole there's, there's a, a whole process they like have that. to go through, yeah. you know, and it's it's right. really, um, it's not going to be the first thing they're thinking about. So mm-hmm. I think just making it clear that you understand that that you yeah. get it that you know bad things happen to good people and and you're gonna and you're gonna help them work through that. So mm-hmm. you know, in terms of their their academic, at least you know to to keep it from derailing them academically, if at all possible. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think that's, you know, that's basically it. Yeah. Well, I think that's a lot. And, you know, the one, it is a lot. lot. And the one, and we'll have links to a lot of the stuff that we'll put together as, as this episode goes out. We also have a template for a syllabus, by the way. Yes. We'll link to that um, too. Yeah. So that, that might be, and that would, uh, that just sort of puts things in order. Right. Right. So, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the other thought that I had when we were preparing for this episode was, and I kind of went back to a Christmas carol. You know, you and I will sometimes throw out Jacob Marley references to each other and whatnot around the office, especially around the holiday times. Um, and and to poorly paraphrase Dickens, we shouldn't con- we shouldn't think about our syllabus one day a year, but but all year round. Uh, and I find that if I go through the exercise of really honing my syllabus, then that's a document I use all semester, and I take notes on it. Yes. So that when I use it again the next semester. So hopefully, if people are listening to this podcast, this episode after the semester started, you should <laughs> it's already not have too late. Yeah. Well, you should have already done your syllabus <laughs> yeah, for the well, semester. Yes. Yeah. In some ways, it is too late. It is too late, <laughs> but it's not too late because this. Is, I think. I think it's an iterative process and it's an ongoing process that that uh, uh, that we revisit these all the time, and we should because they are so connected to our teaching. It's not just a one and done sort of document that you dust off every semester. Right. Uh, it's something that has to live and breathe and and, and kind of evolve. Uh, from semester to semester as you, as you do your teaching. So, well, Claire, thank you again as always. Thank you, Jim. So that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Let's Talk Teaching. You can find out more about the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology on our website. That's ctlt.illinoisstate.edu. Until next time, for all of us here at the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology, I'm Jim G. Thanks for listening.